You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. We are three games into the regular season, and damn, I feel good. Uh, You know, the Sixers... Gave up a heartbreaker to the Brooklyn Nets on Friday, but they feasted on both New Orleans and Oklahoma City. So I, I feel damn good. I feel very positive. And it's all about the chill rides and the chill vibes always on this podcast. It is the Out of Sight Podcast. I am your host, Adil Royster, a employee of a Vox Media podcast. Um, like I said, Sixers starting off strong, a lot of good points to discuss, and we'll get into that later on in this podcast. But first up, batting lead off on this podcast, I got Dave Early. He wrote a piece about a good piece of, uh, information about Ben Simmons happening in the last couple of days. Uh, seems that things are trending positively. We don't know if that means he'll be on the floor in a Sixers uniform, but we will discard and we will discuss and discard. So let me just get Dave in here. Dave, how you doing, my friend? I'm good, man. How you doing? Uh, doing well. I mean, you know, it, it would have helped if last night I didn't get completely caught in the rain because I had to take the trash out and put it on the curb. So, you know, I had to dry off and all like that. But I'm, outside of that, I'm fine. I'm good. <laughs> I, thought, I thought you were going to say something worse. All right. So you were wet for like five minutes? Uh, five to ten, something like that. Yeah. <laughs> I, had, I, had to, I had to towel off. I had to towel down a little bit. But, uh, yeah, everything's fine now. Somewhere there's a violin for you. <laughs> oh, God. You know what? You know what, Dave? Why why you gotta start off like that? It's, we're all about we're all about the chill vibes here, and you're just coming in here choosing violence. What the hell? I'm, I'm a, you know I'm a listener of your podcast, so I remember a story about people bringing trash on a septa. I thought maybe it was okay. Okay, damn it. <laughs> that that's just never going away between us, is it? It's just never going away. Uh, so your piece about. Daryl Morey saying that things are moving in a more positive direction. Now, when you first heard that, like, what was your initial reaction? Because I'm sure that our colleague, Steve Lippman, is uh, doing face palms, thinking to himself, oh, God, am I going to have to watch Ben Simmons on the floor this year? I thought I would not have to deal with that. (laughs) Um, I guess my, I guess my reaction is probably like a lot of Sixers fans where I'm like, I'm going to need to see what you mean before I can believe you that something positive happened. Yeah. I need context, Daryl. Yeah. I'm going to need context just so you're just so I don't think you're, you're not just running some sort of, um, company line. Like, do I think this is positive? Let's see what you got. (laughs) Right. And Daryl was on 97.5 The Fanatic last week, 
Oh God, why, why, Daryl? Come on, come on, come on the Liberty Ballers podcast. Just this. Uh, never mind. I'm not even going to get into that. But he did say something that was kind of interesting to me, and you quoted it in your article. Would you rather eliminate what people perceive to be a distraction, or would you rather have better playoff odds? I'll take the playoff odds. Whatever we have to deal with that helps the Philadelphia 76ers win the title, we'll do it. I assume that means if they trade Ben, he's okay with doing that. If it means that Ben suits up and plays for the team, uh, they'll do that too. And I'm with Daryl. If either or happens to lead to the Sixers winning a title, I don't care how we win the title. I just want that damn parade down Broad Street. Yeah, yeah. Um, I thought an interesting word in there was perceived to be a distraction, which implied to me that maybe he isn't convinced this is a distraction. Right. Or at least offered plausible deniability that this isn't distracting. Um, and, you know, I have heard him on podcasts. We've heard him say things like, well, the narrative is and he's he's often tries to separate what's what's a feeling, what's a narrative, what's a distraction from what's in front of him and how it impacts his chances his cold, hard calculus in terms of winning the finals. Um, and, you know, what, what someone who is not a, a fan of Ben at this point, a Sixers fan who is not a fan of Ben might say is it's a pipe dream that Ben is going to come in and significantly increase his trade value uh, and, and make everything sort of kumbaya and fix things. But the, the counterpoint to that would be even if he were the exact same player, that would be a massive list to their current rotation. And I think that's what Daryl means when he says the playoff odds. And we think there's a chance that Ben is going to play for us. And we know that if he does, it's much, much better than if he's just not going to play. And it's funny that you bring up uh, the whole trade value situation because we always comment on that. And I thought the biggest little uh, – FU was like either Simmons or Clutch or both saying that it's not up to Simmons to increase his trade value. Uh, I would just like to go back and say, uh, yes, it kind of is because your client is uh, openly tanking his trade value right now. We heard, you know, like three or three and a half months worth of these stories that I'm not exactly sure what to do with. Ben wants his own team. Ben wants five California teams. Ben wants any team. Ben doesn't want to play with Joel. Um, and some of them, like when they come from Ramona Shelburne, I'm like, okay, right. With it. But a lot of these, I don't, I don't know what to do with beyond calling them like a communication or, you know, a rumor, because it's possible that some of that stuff was just, rich paul's playbook for how the heck how the heck can i get him out of here can right. i create enough fan descent to coax josh harris and david blitzer to say to daryl morey I, I don't like this can you just take what's the best offer on the table and maybe rich paul did a, a very good job of that even though um daryl morey appears to continue to have the trust of ownership to do whatever he wants knock wood yeah, the the biggest question, and I agree with you, this is the biggest question, is Simmons's willingness and or readiness to return. Uh, we saw that when he came back, that first weekend he came back, he looked pretty like uh, not committal about being in practices. And then there was the one game suspension. 
and now there was all kinds of reports and everything like that. And now it's coming out that he has back stiffness. So let's let's go with that first. Um, it's certainly plausible to think that he's got back tightness, given the fact that he may or may not have been working out while he was in L.A., just taking that breather that he did. Yeah, it's your radar goes up because former Liberty baller Jake Fisher said like it's possible that he could report and and claim an injury. And so you started to wonder, would he fake an injury to be able to collect checks somehow? Is that what the back is? Right. Um, but uh, Daryl Morey appears to be taking him at his word that he does have a back issue and it, and isn't mentally ready to play. He said that we're taking both of those issues very, very seriously. Um, you know that Ben had a serious back injury, but you know, um, yes. what is it? A year, a year and a half ago. I think most people think he did it in the all-star game. Although the team has said that that's not the case. It was in a practice. Um, Brett Brown said it was one of the worst injuries he's seen. Like Ben was actually nauseous and right. I had, I had Derek Bodner on my podcast before the start of last season. He said he was more worried about Ben's back. Than he was about the knee Ben had just had surgery on. So it might be an under under the radar, you know, concern of the franchise. On the other hand, um, maybe his back is fine. It was just a little sore and he got a massage and he's good to go. I don't know. Now there's the other part, and I'm just going to put a little trigger warning out there for people that are listening. Uh, we're going to get into the con. We're going to get into the uh, topic of uh mental illness and uh, mental health. So just quick trigger warning for those people. If you want to fast forward, then feel free. Uh, No judgment. There's going to be more to this podcast. But for this section, if it is a trigger warning for you, then feel free to fast forward. But there is the now nobody's going to fast forward. <laughs> well, I'm well. Listen, I gotta, I gotta put that out there. I gotta, I gotta yeah, yeah, let yeah. the people know. Like, like we're getting into this now. Um, Good the, spot for your commercial break, too. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, there's this suggestion that he's not yet mentally ready to play, and that res- and you said that represents an important change in the tone from the off season. Uh, I'm going to say this right now. If you're one of these cynical readers, like you said in your piece, that is out here thinking that Ben is, quote unquote, faking this mental illness just as a way to like sit out and still get paid. I'm going to tell you, you're well within your right to think that, but I'm going to tell you that you're wrong for thinking that right from Jump Street for this reason. I am not a trained psychological professional. Depending on who's listening, you're not a trained psychological professional that is uh, that has Ben Simmons on the couch. So to insinuate that he that is what he's doing, that is wrong. You shouldn't do that and just let this whole thing play out. Mental health in 2021, especially with athletes the last uh, few years, even before that, it's becoming more and more documented and it's something that should be respected athletes are people too and athletes are going to struggle with their mental health just as much as you know joe dude working at wawa so respect somebody's mental health until 
hard facts come out. Okay. And even when those facts do come out, it's important to respect both the psychological professional and the, uh, and, and the therapy, the, the person receiving the therapy, however that may be like, just respect all sides here. That's, that's all, that's all I'm going to say about this because we had Simone Biles yeah, this year. We had Naomi Osaka this year and most frequent, most frequently, and to the most direct local parallel, Philadelphia Eagles offensive tackle Lane Johnson sat out for two weeks dealing with his own mental health and personal reasons. So it's very much on the scope and on everybody's radar. And if this is something that Ben has to deal with, then we have to just let this play out as he personally sees fit with his trained psychological professionals. Like, that's it. Like, period. And if he's not mentally ready to play, then we just have to wait until he is. And we have to respect that. Amen. <laughs> that, that was that was really drawn and really, like, played out. And it just it's just something that's, like, frustrating to me personally when I see stuff like that and people make those comments because I personally, I don't know if the readers or listeners know this, but over the last year, year and a half, I've actually been suffering from a little spell of depression. I started seeing a therapist back in October of 2020. The, the pandemic and everything else going on, it's just, it was just a giant mental grind for me. And I, I'm just telling y'all, uh, therapy works. The, the S is magic. I'm telling you, I feel so much better nowadays. And uh, yeah, if, if it's something you're worried about, just go. Don't be, don't have it in your head that like, if you see a mental health professional, there's something wrong with you. There's nothing wrong with you. You're just out here trying to learn more about yourself. Yeah, I think that's brave of you to share. And I think I couldn't agree more. Uh, I think we, we have more of a tolerance for this type of stuff in every facet of life, except like sports. Somehow it's uh, more, more stigmatized when an athlete uh, is not performing up to their standards and abilities yeah. because it's so magnified. It's like to be labeled someone who choked is the worst thing you could say about an athlete, basically. And there were some times where I would cringe reading the Sixers appear to attempt to support Ben Simmons during the offseason when they would say things like uh, the fans can be hard on Ben. Um, not everyone is built to like that. Not everyone is built to benefit from it. And I was thinking maybe what they're saying is true. And maybe, maybe Ben has a harder time dealing with the booing or whatever than other players but still, you know, in sports, that's the worst. That's one of the worst things you could apply, imply about somebody is that they're going to get rattled in a high pressure moment. And so it and, makes everything more sensitive. And that's the thing that I always hate where, where like you have the old school uh, journalists and sports reporters, especially in this town. They're just like, yeah, Philly is hard to play in. Yes, I get that. I totally understand that it's it's hard to be it's hard to be a journalist in this town, especially when you don't necessarily toe the line of the old school generation. But that's why we're here. We're still out here doing our thing. 
I understand Philly is not the easiest place to play in, but let's not go out here and say that uh, it's only hard to play in Philadelphia. Like it's not, that's not the case. It's hard to play in Philadelphia. It's hard to play in New York. It's hard to play in Los Angeles. It's hard to play in Cleveland. It's hard to play in Oklahoma City, for God's sake. Okay. I, I grew up, I grew up in New York. The greatest player in franchise history in my lifetime is Patrick Ewing. And you would think that he was the biggest disappointment. Right. You know, it, it probably wasn't until like the last few years that I think he was began to be appreciated. But people are always like, he let us down. He didn't win the championship. So it's hard to play in, in markets that love sports a lot. And I'm not going to be one of these people that say Philly isn't hard to plan. I think it probably is. Um, but even, even Allen Iverson, I'll tell you, yeah, it's a tough place to play. But it uh, doesn't mean it's like, the hardest of all or an unfair advantage built in necessarily. And I, I feel like this needs to be an important distinction in 2021 and going forward. Yes. Philadelphia is hard to play in, but if you try and you do the yeoman work and you're just out here with your lunch pail, like every day, like if you're trying, that's where we'll really like get behind you. Like once you show that you don't care, that's when we're just like, I, I feel like that's when we get more offended as a fan base. Like if you don't try, that's when we start to harp on you a little bit more. Yeah. So, all right, back to um, more of the, more of the Simmons and is he coming back? Is he not coming back? We don't know yet, but I do appreciate that Joel and Tobias have been pretty vocally supportive so far even the little speech that Joel gave on opening night, where it's just like, Ben is our brother. We want him back. We we're, we'll be happy to have him back to so just please support him. Like, I thought that was, I thought that was a perfect little, um, I thought that was a perfect little thing for Joel to do that night, especially in front of the home crowd, big game against Brooklyn. I felt like that was important to do. I thought that was huge. I mean, I think Joel got credit for his leadership while talking about we're not here to babysit Ben Simmons, but I'm not sure that I, I think of that as like a, a true leadership thing to do. Whereas addressing the fans that was that to me, that was unequivocally a difficult thing to do. And it represents like, because the fans could have booed him mercilessly for that. Yeah, Paul Hudrick, our, our Paul Hudrick wrote mild booze, as, as you might have expected from that. And, and Joel <laughs> probably knew it, you know, he, he kind of smiled and, and dropped the mic. But it was a big thing to do. And it's weird to me because talk about Joel do a 180 and bead. Like two yeah. days ago, he's saying, we're not here to babysit this guy. I don't care about this man. Then he meets with Ben Simmons. And then it, it's reported and we hear, Ben Simmons acknowledges he's not mentally ready to play. I think Sham said there's a willingness that he will play. And then Joel does that before the Nets game in the home opener. And then he and Tobias have more to say, like, we love playing with him. Please be patient. Tobias gave like a little rant and even scolded the media for, for clickbaiting yep. this issue. I love just Tobias thinking, for that. And I'm just wondering, and I'll ask you this, what, what happened in that meeting with Ben that changed the notes coming from Joel and Tobias so to such a degree. I feel like um, it's 
So I feel like, you know how sometimes you do things in like the heat of the moment where it's just like, oh, there's all there's all this crap. I'm tired of hearing about it. Like, I'm just going to say I'm done with it, this, that and the other. But then like you come back after thinking about it, like you have the reactionary response, but then you have the more level headed, uh, complete response, which is what I think Joel did on Friday night. I just think that the the 180 that he pulled it's it it felt natural to me because I've had those moments where we've all had those moments in especially as like reporters where we'll we'll have that knee-jerk reactionary response that we really try hard not to have because it's just not great for us. It it won't age well. But then you know, 24, 48 hours <laughs> later, you're like, okay, maybe I shouldn't have phrased it that way. Maybe I should have phrased it this way after thinking about it and digesting all the information. Yeah. And, and the challenge you talked about the cynical read, you know, like, let me read, let me read you real quick. What Woj said, the yeah. Sixers have been fining Simmons. We know that's changed now for missing games, practices and meetings, nearly 2 million this season. But there is a provision in the collective bargaining agreement that protects player salaries for failing to render services. If such failure has been caused by the player's mental disability for anyone who has a very, very cynical read and, and is saying, well, this is convenient. Ben doesn't have to play and Ben gets paid. You have to square that with the fact that Joel Embiid would do what he did and say what he said, feeling the same way. Would Joel, right. If Joel feels that way, would he have really done that? I mean, this guy is so honest that, it's, that it makes him so likable. You know, yeah. He's a very endearing figure in that he just kind of says what he, what he feels, and we love him for that as fans it's hard to see him running any game on us. And so jo- I don't Joel, think he is. Joel is the most, is probably one of the most honest athletes that this city has had in a long ass time. And you're right. If Joel believed that Ben was faking it for a second, he would not have come out and done that on Friday night. There's no way. I just don't way. think he's putting his name no on No way. Right? <laughs> he's not putting his He's not putting his name, his finger, anything on that. He's not touching that. But and, it just and if it, you're just it just go goes to Joel's leadership and like his his rise to being like the like we always kind of knew that this was Joel's team. Uh he is really putting his stamp down that like this is my team, this is my organization, this is my city. Like he's really doing he's really going for it this year. Yeah, he is. Um, so it's hard to know what's what's going on. Like Daryl Morey has said, things are heading in a very positive direction. We are going to use the full extent of our franchise's resources to help Ben with his back and getting mentally ready to play. Um, if that means Ben is going to play, I talked to our Sean Kennedy. He predicted there was a road trip. And after that long road trip, what is it like? or somewhere around Thanksgiving, there was a home game. I think Sean predicted that to be Ben's first home game because then he'd have like a handful of road games under his belt, get used to being with the team, and then, you know, prepare himself as best he can for the uh, Wells Fargo Center reaction Uh, to him. I, I believe the game you're referencing is November 27th against the Timberwolves? Correct. Which is funny because that because <laughs> that kind of could have been the game where like Ben Simmons would return as a visitor. <laughs> right. That was the team most interested in him. 
you could also get like the staged fight dynamic with Towns and maybe have Ben save Joel and win over the crowd. Like we could get a whole WWE Raw vibe here. Just just for sheer like <laughs> just to be like the Joker in the Dark Knight. Like I was thinking so hard and I wanted it to happen that Ben comes back Saturday, October 30th against the Hawks. <laughs> just because oh. I'm out I'm out here just trying to just throw out all kinds of wild stuff. Like I was doing that in the summertime. I was like and tries to get like nine dunks. I was like, listen, Ben is gonna thunder dunk like 20 times against the Hawks and have like a triple double or something against the Hawks that night just to show that just like that playoff series was an aberration. But you know what? Take all the time you need, Ben. Take that road trip. Uh you got uh Utah. It's Utah, Denver, Portland, Sacramento, and Golden State until coming back November 27th against the Timberwolves. So, like, if that's if that's what works for you, then fine. Take all the time you need. If you can't make it back and you're not feeling mentally ready until, like, January, that's fine. Do what you got to do. It's your brain. It's your body. Do what you got to do to make yourself right. <laughs> it's like, yeah. you're not, you're not out you're not out here like Kyrie Irving uh, being detrimental to the team in that way. So it's fine. Everything's good. You believe that the, you believe that the world is round. Uh, I'm not a thousand percent sure of his vaccination status, but I'm sure he would get vaccinated if, uh, (laughs) if that was a thing that needed to be done. I don't, I don't think Ben is out here wilding like that, which is good. I I appreciate not having that headache. There are, there are, protests outside Barclays Center for in favor of Kyrie uniting all kinds of groups that never see eye to eye uh, against vaccine mandates. Oh my God. And then then there was the reporting that like Sixers had like, what was it? A new fence around Camden. What? Um, (laughs) I I think I (laughs) tweeted like that. They have like a little bit of extra privacy. Now the Camden facility, I could be wrong. You fact check me on Twitter, but um. It's just interesting parallels between these respective crazy situations. This is just this is just continued to spiral in so many directions. Like I don't up is down, left is right. Like I'm complete. Uh, I'm just out of the. I'm just out of the woods on everything right now. If you were like an odds maker, if you were a sports book, you'd be looking at this like there's a huge swing here. If if Ben stays out of the lineup and Kyrie comes back. They are monster favorites to win the East. If it goes the other way and Ben Simmons returns to the lineup and plays well and plays just about how he has the last few years, maybe. If we get typical Ben Simmons, yeah. If you just got typical Ben Simmons and Kyrie Irving is out, then the landscape of the East is very competitive at the top with the Sixers included. So there's a lot of ways it could go. And I think that's what Daryl Morey is aiming for and, and hoping for. And I think that's why he thinks there's positive things going on because Ben was willing to, you know, reportedly meet with his team and say, I'm not there yet, um, but I'm open to this. And the team responded in kind. And I love this. By saying, take your time. We're here for you. Exactly. I love this quote from Daryl. Absolutely. Yeah. We're taking it day by day, getting Ben what he needs. He'll probably be doing individual workouts while he works through this and working through everything that we can help him with and hope to get him back out there as soon as he's ready. I thought that last phrase was very vital. As soon as he's ready, they're not rushing him. They're not making him uncomfortable. And I think as 
from a team perspective, from an organizational perspective, that's the way you have to go. If you are out here being extremely positive and extremely helpful, then I think that that continues to nurture any positive uh, direction that allegedly this is going in. Yeah, from the team, if we were like grading the team standpoint, I would say they've done a really good job with this. That They're doing the right thing by not continuing to find him now that this is the reason he's not in the lineup. Um, the idea of I just want to be traded, you know, hit him with all the fines you can. That's the four years on a max, man. Come on. But yeah. if it's this, we know that there's precedent here. I mean, Ben said I got to get my blank together last April. And yep. Ben talked about his mental not being quite there in the post game after that Atlanta series, like three times. So we, we knew before an off season of fans ragging on him and burning his jerseys and making fun of his, you know, workouts that he was going through something. And burning you can only jerseys. imagine the idea, the idea that the fans don't like him make, makes what was already a difficult situation in terms of his family and some off the court stuff more difficult. Um, so it's tough. It's tough. It's nice. There's a lot of themes in terms of mental health that come up and it's a good opportunity. You brought up Simone Biles. Like I think Tobias said it the other day with, these are not superhumans. These are people too. From the top down. And I don't know if I, I don't know if you really heard anything from Josh Harris or Michael Rubin on the situation, but like starting at Daryl Morey, we'll say, because we've heard from him from the top down, starting at Daryl Morey, all the way down to the players and the coaching staff. Like, I think they're doing a wonderful job with this right now. Yeah. Yeah. I, I gave some credit. We don't often give credits to team ownership in this town. Um, they get, they get a lot of flack from the fan base over the years. They've been very I, I hands off. Of They've been hands off as far as we know. And if they are hands on, maybe it's been a good thing because right. I think, I think we like the team's response. The one thing I would say is that sometimes the Sixers players and coaches say some comments that don't seem to help like doc rivers comparing them to like what Trump supporters and stuff. Oh, like God. There's, been, there's been some moments where I just think, just say less, just go Belichick, you know, just keep it in house. Have all the fights you want in house. Just keep it out of the out of the press. Doc, just do yourself a favor and subscribe to the same thing that my journalism 101 professor told me. Say more with less. Like for real. Like it's really not necessary for you to go into like deep paragraphs. All you have to say literally every press conference is we support Ben. We want him to come back when he's ready. That's your default line for the for the entirety of this Ben Simmons saga. Like, that's it. That's your phrase. That's it. Put it on a teleprompter. Write it on your hand if you have to. That's your phrase. Yeah. That's it. Period. <laughs> because I think your, your own Weitzman hopped on the gastropod blues, and he said, like, this is one of the best communicators in NBA history, which is true. And like, and then he's having these slip ups in those after game yes. seven. And this, so it's, I don't know. It's it's almost out of character for Doc, but uh, he's flubbing more than Joe Biden on the campaign trail. Sorry, it was right there. I had to do it. I'm sorry, Biden supporters. I'm sorry. It, the joke was right there. I had to do it. Okay, they'll, they'll it was all, softballed right there. Biden, they'll point out that Biden won the championship, so Doc can too. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're going to take a little short break. 
and uh, we'll be right back because the Sixers are two and one. So uh, let's let's gauge how Dave feels after three games. I know short. I know small small sample size, but still, there's 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 positives here. So back in a second. So as I stated at the top of the podcast, the Sixers are two and one. They lost a heartbreaker to the Nets on Friday night, but they beat the brakes off the New Orleans Pelicans and the Oklahoma City Thunder. Thanks in large part to one Sethian Curry. I know that's not his full government name, but like the way he's playing, he's Sethian to me right now. Because like I, I want to <laughs> make him is literally Jimmy. I want to give him I want to give him some regalness for the first three games. Seth Curry is out of his mind so far this season, and I'm loving every second. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Spicy curry, man. Spicy curry. I love it. Uh, Just in case you're unaware of the specifics of his statistics so far this season. uh, Three games, 20 points a game. Shooting 77% from three. He's 13 of 17. He's 13 of 17 for the season. I know this won't keep up. I know that there will be a regression to the mean. But for right now, can I just enjoy it? I have not seen this kind of shooting since, I don't know, Kyle Korver, maybe J.J. Redick. I mean, and then <laughs> Dave he's is just speechless. Like, he's speechless. What if, what if he doesn't so regress? Far. What if he doesn't regress? What if a player just shoots like three out of four on threes for the season? <laughs> what's the NBA record for? <laughs> we need to look this up. What is the NBA record for three point percentage in a season? Because I, I honestly hope to God this is something that's possible. <laughs> I'm typing it in now. Let me see if anything comes up. And then the first thing that came up was Seth Curry, (laughs) 76.5. And Tobias is having a really good start to the season. 19 points a game shooting. He's only shooting 30% from threes. Like he's, he's been working on the, uh, the, the step backs and the uh, shooting threes off the dribble. Like he's looking pretty good doing that. He's taken some really quick trigger transition threes. I like. Here we go. Corver, 53.6. So still some Sixers connections. Tim Legler is number three with 52%. Oh, I think. all over the place. I think Seth has a shot to shatter that if this keeps up. Yeah. And that would be amazing. (laughs) Seriously. Dave, Dave, I need to remind you. The Dallas Mavericks traded Seth Curry for Josh Richardson. I need to remind folks that this is a thing that actually happened. 
it, it was a heck of a trade. Tremendous <laughs> job. Tremendous job. What, what did Daryl say? I'm just wheeling and dealing now. Yes. <laughs> yeah, he, he was wheeling and dealing. What a, what a great value there. Tobias having a good start to the season. Joel having a good start to the season. But, yo, Tyrese, 34, almost 35 minutes a game, 16 points a game, five rebounds, three assists, averaging less than two, one and a half turnovers a game. Uh, Maxi, I'm not saying that he is the answer, but Maxi looks pretty effing good. And I don't know if this has to do with Shake being out of the lineup, but even when Shake comes back, I, I don't know how Maxi is not continually a starter if Ben Simmons is still holding out. I'm or, impressed. Or if Ben is not ready. I, think... I, I should press that. If Ben is not ready, I'm sorry. Phrased it the wrong way. It, I think if um I mean 34 minutes, 36 minutes, 34 minutes. I think right now Maxi is getting Maxi's minutes plus Shake Milton's minutes, who's out with an injury. And I think Doc is just saying, look, you know. We don't have many ball handlers here. We're just going to lean on you. And right. for, for a 20-year-old who can't even buy yards, <laughs> he, he's, he's been reliable. <laughs> Wait, is he? He's, he's not 21 yet? I thought he was. Tyrese Maxey. Uh, sports reference says, oh, wow. He'll be November. He'll be, he'll be 21 on November 4th. Next, Days away. Next, but next week. Next, next week, yes. First round of yards. Old. First round of yards is on me, my man. I'm telling you now. Like I will tweet that. Like Mr. Paul will have your yards ready to go. <laughs> if you need if you need a optical illusion, Tyrese. Come <laughs> down I were you expecting Tyrese to come out and look this good to start? I know it's been three games, small sample size, but even in that small sample size, damn, he's looked good. No, I, I have not. I thought. You know, I was kind of like measuring my expectations because he he has to do what so many people have failed to do. It's like be the one sixer who can dribble and shoot. We're always saying that. Yes. And we're always giving and him not being a natural point guard and suddenly kind of being asked to be one without Simmons in the lineup. Right. Uh, I was prepared for him to to disappoint what was what would have been reasonably high expectations if he was going to play the combo guard that he got to play last year. Instead, he's really impressed, and he stepped it up. Uh, 0-4 from three against Oklahoma, one of five from three against Brooklyn. So hopefully, he he makes one or two more of those uh, in a game, and we're going to need him to hit a few against the Knicks. Um, but yeah, just very impressed at his poise. Like sometimes he would use his speed to blow by someone. I know he got matched up several times against Lamarcus Aldridge, who was kind of yeah. barbecue chicken. He hit him with a baby pull-up. He hit him with a floater. And he hit him with a step-back three. And LaMarcus is LaMarcus (laughs) with his wingspan up that's got to be like 10 feet in the air, and he drained it. Um, So, you know, the confidence that he has to attack what he sees as a mismatch combined with the times where he's saying, I'm not going to blow by my guy because I see that Seth is curling around like 12 screens. I'm going to wait for Seth to get that little window and then hit him with the with the swing pass for a three. He's making good decisions, and I think that's that's the most important thing you want to see. Not because the shots are going to come, the shots are going to miss. He's going to have hot and cold nights. He's going to have games with too many personal fouls and turnovers. But he's playing like a pro, man. He's playing like a starter. The 
the shot is always going to be there, but the fact that uh, he's attempting them, like he's got 12, he's got 12 three point attempts right now, but I also appreciate that he's tied for second on the team in free throw attempts. Embiid has 18, but Maxi and Furkan Korkmaz, yes, Korkmaz, tied for second with the team in uh, free throw attempts. So he's getting to the rim. And he's putting up he's putting up those three pointers even if he's not you know a thousand percent wide open. Yeah, and and Tom West has pointed this out at, at times. Like he learned he can, he's a quick study. He's learned from Matisse to go for those like blocks from behind. Yeah, um, and a couple of the Matisse like defensive plays. I watched a couple nights ago. He blew up a Kevin Durant James Harden. Uh, dribble handoff and he stole it and went coast to coast and I was like that's what Matisse and Ben does yes <laughs> uh two other things I would like to point out in this short season uh the the, the cork Maz is officially being popped uh Furkan has had a really really nice start to the season I was losing my mind the the four threes against the Pelicans on opening night including the straight-up heat check 24-footer with 20 seconds left in the shot clock. Yeah. <laughs> Contested 27-footer, yeah. and he just drained it. It's like, okay, I'm here for this this season. Yeah, Korkmaz has, has stepped up for sure. And George Niang is out here also doing things. Niang has also looked like a pretty uh, decent signing. And last but not least, I have to give props. I thought, much like all of us, that mm-hmm. Drummond, yeah. Drummond <laughs> pick and roll dribble handoffs would be the bane of our existences for this entire season. But Drummond has looked really good. And let me just throw this out real quick. He's averaging 13 and a half rebounds in 18 and a half minutes played. That is insane. Yeah, that, that would have uh, Alex Rucker's uh analytics office going doing cartwheels right yeah he's um, averaging he's averaging 26.3 rebounds per 36 minutes i love yeah, the yeah. i love the per 36 minutes stats because i'm just like holy crap but like drummond is a straight up windex man and i am enjoying every second of this yeah he's cleaning the, the crap out of the glass uh i hope he's able to play i know he sprained his ankle um the Sixers have a lot of really fun fun vibes right now and it makes you think like man if they could return a healthy and motivated Simmons to this lineup they could do so much of what we thought they could do last season minus the uh the the bench units like really really hurting them because remember last year for a long time uh we saw like the transition defense was awful yeah, I think that was that was part of those Ben Simmons and Dwight Howard lineups that didn't work, where everyone was under the paint. If we missed a shot, the other team was running. Um, so, not necessarily that Ben plus Drummond would be the answer, but the, there's the personnel to do a lot of what we were dreaming of last year. This year, if Ben could play, if not, then we're just going to have these vibes, and eventually they're going to fade because you're looking at like what a 46 win team at best. Yeah. And I listen, all due respect, I'm looking at the standings now. All due respect to the Atlanta Hawks. I, I get it. You guys are two and one. You look really good doing so, but you've played uh Dallas, 
uh, let me see. So it's Dallas, Cleveland, and I believe it was Detroit. Uh, settle down, Hawks fans. Just relax. Like, come back to me when you've actually played someone. Like, the Sixers actually played Brooklyn. So let, let this heat up a little bit. I, I know, yeah, the Sixers have only played three games too, but at the same time, um, yeah, there's a, there's a kind of a discrepancy in who the Sixers have played and who the Hawks have played. They played what Dallas. About, what about Hornets fans? Would you tell Hornets fans to settle down or three and zero? Miles Bridges balling, Lamelo balling. Can uh, they uh, can they freak out a little bit? Listen, Charlotte Charlotte Hornets fans have had so little to get hype over over the last decade that like I'm gonna let them have this one. But uh, Bulls fans, settle down. You're four zero. You're not gonna. You're not gonna stay that way for long. Just, just relax. En- enjoy the undefeated while you can. Um, I need to get. I need to get off my chest. I saw someone sort of taking a, an anti-process stance with these Hornets, saying, "Hey, they didn't even have to sink so many seasons. They had a lottery pick in like sixteen out of seventeen years. That's why you you make sure you get the first pick." Yes. <laughs> And just going back to your point about the Eastern Conference and like if Kyrie isn't playing at all, which it doesn't really look like it's going to, like the do the Nets seem kind of average to you? They they don't seem average, but I'll say this. Harden is not what he was before his initial hamstring injury. He's he had he has spent his entire summer rest rehab with a grain two hammy, and that's serious. And I don't think he trusts it yet watching him play. Yeah, something's up. He's still in second gear. Um, A lot. The biggest story is that he's not getting to the free throw line because the NBA is making a little bit of an example about him with non-basketball moves. You know, love it. Love it. By the way, under your arm. Yeah, but I think the bigger issue there is that he's just he's not a step. He doesn't have that burst at this point. Um, And with Kyrie out of the lineup, they're going to ask him to pretty much play every night. And I'm not sure that he's an every night player at this point. I, no. I would be looking to be as conservative as possible with both him and KD and the Nets don't have that same luxury that they had last year. Patty Mills can only do so much. Mills is amazing right now. He's like <laughs> run away for six man of the year. I wish we had him for 5.8 million. Oh God. Oh man. But the the landscape the eastern conference isn't like wide open wide open but kind of is um i've said this before many times like i think the hawks are a year away from that big standings leap i don't believe in what miami has put together the knicks are frisky i'll give them that uh milwaukee i think the knicks are going to beat the sixers tonight uh last time i looked at the line it was knicks favored by one and a half yeah, and we don't know if uh, Drummond's going to play. I feel like that's slightly disrespectful to the Knicks. I feel like that should be a little bit higher. <laughs> I thought you were going to go the other way. Okay, yeah. No, I the Knicks. No, I, I feel like the Knicks should be favored by maybe at least three, three and a half, something like that. The Knicks are averaging 49 three-point attempts per game. That's, that's Mike D'Antoni Houston levels. That's not, that's, that's, that's not exactly something I'm excited about. <laughs> Bibbs is playing more ball. <laughs> wow. I, I'm quite impressed that Tom Thibodeau has been able to reshape his feeling about offensive basketball. Clearly, <laughs> yeah. But uh, it everything's been looking good, and we just hope that Ben gets his body and mind right because I agree with you. If we get just typical Ben Simmons with the Brooklyn Nets situation, the way that's playing out, 
Uh, I said the Sixers would finish third in the East. It's very possible they could be number two if we get typical Ben Simmons. Because outside of outside of a complete Brooklyn Nets team, I don't know who else is number two in this conference. There's a lot of expectations that that happened, and I know some of this came out of Ben's camp about not loving the expectations that he entered the league into. Mm-hmm. But there are so many scenarios where this would just be a normal situation where we'd be like, you know what? He's heading into his fourth or fifth year. We expect that he'll be better than he was last year. I can't wait to see what he looks like this year. Um, and that's not at all the case at this point. saying <laughs> like, even if he's just the same, there's a chance that he's better again. Um, the, like theoretically, if we were doing NBA 2K characters and he made the leap from like top 75 defender in his rookie year to like, now he's one of the three best defenders in the league. Yeah. He would be going from like what a 75 on D to like a 97 on D. So it's easy to forget how much he has improved overall as a player because people say he hasn't improved much as an offensive player. But sometimes I wonder in theory, what if he hadn't made that leap defensively, but he added like, Sad young level post game. It's it's an interest. It's an interesting uh, proposition to bring up because I I do agree and love that parallel with Thad Young. Like if if he just does some like Thad Young, like not even prime Thad Young, like current Thad Young. If he's doing the old man at the YMCA post moves, that's he just fine. drills lefty jump hooks on you in his sleep, basically. Yeah, but he's not like a, a lights out player. <laughs> I'll take that. <laughs> we take that. But if he did have that last year, but he wasn't able to hold Trey Young to like five for 23 or something, would we be less angry at him? Because it just feels like he's made progress offensively. And that's, that's what a lot of fans are looking for. Right. I, I think the, I think the anger and the angst wouldn't be the same just because like there's offensive development. So there is a theory, there is a scenario in theory where Ben Simmons is less good, but we're less mad. Uh, he's, he's less good defensively, but it's kind of offset from his, uh, offensive, his increased offensive prowess. Okay. Which is what, which is what fans have wanted for the longest time. Yep. Yep. Yeah. I'm not telling anyone to not be frustrated with Ben. That's fine. I'm just saying frustrated. Yeah. (laughs) I just want to give him some credit for, for the improvements he actually did make as a player. Exactly. Uh, we'll, we'll leave with this, uh, Ben, uh, Benjamin, physically, mentally, take whatever time you need to get ready. And uh, I, I personally, because I've always been a Ben Simmons supporter, I will welcome you with open arms. I can't say the same, for example, for my colleague Steve Lippman. But uh, yeah, I, I would very much enjoy you being on the court. I still have your jersey. I have not burned it. I don't plan on burning it. Because why would I waste $130 like that? I'm a Ben Simmons fan. I, I will find the Sixers much, much more exciting if he's in the lineup because it will mean they have a much better chance to win the championship. And for me, that's what it, what it would be. That's the most important thing. Let me, um, let me ask you this. What would, yeah. it sound, what would it sound like at at the farg if he played well like let's say he did one of his patented blows up a dho steals and dunks puts the sixers up by one late in the big game what would it sound like in there would some of those boos turn to cheers would it be mixed uh it's all i feel like we're at a point where it's always going to be mixed um i just feel like the mixture is just not going to be as pronounced you'll probably get like 80 20 cheers 
as opposed yeah, to like as opposed to like 50-50 for the majority of the rest of that game. After the steal, you'd hear mostly cheers, but if he missed a free throw, that's when you'd hear some of the boo birds, right? Right, probably. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and last but not least, this is just a personal pat on the back. Uh, the Warriors are three and zero, and my Warriors to win the West at plus twelve hundred bet is looking really good right now. Mm. <laughs> Did you get? I hope you got something on Curry to win MVP because. You might go I did not. Already. I did not. Damn it! I should have done that at the beginning of the season too. I, I, I got Jokic before the beginning of last year and hit that. <laughs> well, um, I don't. Well, I, I don't know where. I don't know where Jokic's mindset is going to be like the rest of the way after getting straight up posterized by Lowry Markkinen last night. Ooh, <laughs> it was the first yeah. bucket of the game, and Markkinen was just like, "Yeah, have these yams from Finland, my man." <laughs> <laughs> the yams from Finland. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what yams in Finland are. I'm just gonna say yams from Finland. That's all. Finish, uh, finish sweet potatoes for you. Finish Jokic. sweet potatoes for Jokic. <laughs> uh, Dave, always fun talking to you. Always good laughs. Always good conversations. Um, Dave, what have you been doing? What are you up to? Uh, how can people locate you? Get a hold of you? Talk to you? Read your stuff? Listen to your stuff? You can find me on Twitter uh, at David Early, D-A-V-I-D-E-A-R-L-Y. I write for Liberty Ballers, one of the associate editors there. I also will be doing some Nets coverage this season. Um, so if you're interested in how a division rival is doing, you can follow me on Twitter for the latest on Brooklyn. All the, all the photos from the rallies outside the Barkley Center. Dave's got it covered. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> some weird storylines that are more likely to be on CNN than your local Knicks, Knicks beat. Some weird ass going on in Brooklyn, but appreciate you. Right. As always, Dave, I'll talk to you soon, my friend. Uh, go Sixers. And um, yeah, hopefully we get this dub tonight against the Knicks, even though they shoot like 53s a game. <laughs> Tobias, the Randall stopper. Here we go. Let's do it. Talk to you soon, Dave. All right, man. Thank you.